Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. This is such an amazing time in world history to be alive. Own it. Own it. Don't fear it. Own it. We are going into another sermon series called Christ Our King. There are four tenets of Christ that we believe in our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance. Christ our Savior, Christ our Sanctifier, Christ our Healer, and Christ our Coming King. Back in November, I was really studying for this sermon series, and I was saying, Lord, what do you want us to do during Easter? What do you want us to do during Easter? And what I kept coming back to was Philippians chapter 2. And it says here in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul's declaring the work of Jesus. Paul's declaring the identity of Christ. And the role that Jesus played was, yes, he brought salvation. Yes, he brought sanctification through the Holy Spirit. Yes, he brought divine healing. But Christ right now sits at the right hand of the Father. Do I get an amen for that? Okay, you guys going to be loud this morning? His first service was so dead. Do I get an amen for that? Right? And usually the first service is louder than the second service. Many of you go to the first service. But there's something about this whole idea of Philippians 2 that I really wrestled with. Because it says this in Philippians chapter 2. Even though he was God, he did not equate equality with God as something to grasp to, as something to cling to. You see, what Jesus did was he stepped down from his position in heaven so that we could have salvation because the first Adam sinned and messed it up and God said, I will go and I will redeem all things. But I believe if we're going to really talk about Christ our King, we need to go to the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew and we're going to study all the way through the Gospel of Matthew in each of these different topics. We see a picture, a, a situation that Jesus walked through that, that really speaks to the humanity of Christ. The author of Hebrews wrote this in chapter 4, verse 15, that he, being Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings, all the same trials, all the same, same temptations we do. Yet he did not sin. That's the mystery we will never fully grasp. And maybe one day we will sit in heaven and sit across from Jesus and say, Jesus, were you really human? And he's going to go, yeah. I had this, this weird pull. I was fully God, yet fully human. Something that was even though seemed, when I was in my humanness, I couldn't grasp it. Yet in my godhood, I understood I had to go through it. Every single thing we go through, every single situation our children go through, Jesus went through as well. 
But there's something about the temptation of Jesus that I really believe that, that one, we miss out on, and two, we don't allow to happen in our lives. Parents, open your ears to hear. There's something about how Jesus was victorious that he wants you to be victorious so that your children are victorious. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Backstory, Jesus just baptized. Dove falls down, voice from heaven affirms who Jesus is. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then all of a sudden you have like this, this celebration which then goes into a season of temptation. And it says that then he was led by the Spirit. So the Spirit of God who filled him, who indwelled him, pushed him into the wilderness for a season of testing. A season of testing. Let me just begin by saying this. You hear me use the name Holy Spirit a whole lot. Do I get an amen for that? It sometimes freaks people out in our church. Like, you always talk about the Holy Spirit. Like, I always thought it was like Father, Son, Holy Bible. No. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Spirit of God. And if you are filled with the Spirit of God, and maybe someone today is going to be like, I need the Spirit of God. That would be a great Sunday morning. Maybe you will look back after this message and you'll say, here's my tension. I need the Spirit of God. He was led by the Spirit. He was filled by the Spirit. And what we are going to learn, that when he went through a season of temptation, he only had one form of victory. And you know where I'm going with that. But it says that he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. What is temptation? The act of being enticed to have something or doing something that you know you should avoid. Do I get an amen? Let's be honest. How many like being tempted? Do I get an amen? You guys are liars. There's a place for people like that. Right? Come on. We all love to flirt with a little danger every once in a while, right? Until you've been burned too many times. You see how I followed that up? Otherwise, I'd be a really bad pastor. But think about that. The act of being enticed to have something or doing something that you know you should avoid. Temptation has the power to dethrone. Temptations have the power to dethrone opportunities, relationships, and the immediate blessings that sit right in front of you right now. Temptation always brings into question what you believe to be true about yourself and who God is. Temptation always brings into question, is God good? Is God great? Is God gracious? Is God glorious? The motive of the devil and the temptation of Jesus is the same motive of the devil in our lives. To call into question our identity as sons and daughters of God. Because if he can, if he can shake that, If he can rumble that, he wins. 
I want to walk through these three temptations, and I want to circle around to what John had said. Temptation number one, appetite. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. What was the first, last thing I just said? Temptation always brings into question our identity. So what does Satan say? Hey, if it's true, if you really are, and he just calls it out, the son of God, turn these stones into bread. You see, Jesus was hungry. I see the temptations in three different movements. If you've ever fasted for several days, the first few days are always the worst. Can I get an amen? Like if you've ever done like a three-day fast, by like day two and a half, you're just like, like, you're like, I'll eat anything. I'll eat anything. You know what I mean? Like, I'll eat anything. And I really believe that the first reason Satan tempted Jesus was because Jesus was hungry. Fully God, fully man. He needed sustainability. He needed substance in his body to survive. And Satan knew God had done the miraculous in the past. Manna from heaven. Quail showing up. Water from rocks. He says, hey, if you're really like your daddy, right? Right? If you're really like your daddy, if you're really like your heavenly father, do something supernatural. Do the miraculous. Do the instantaneous. Turn those stones into bread. Because we know what Jesus did in the future. He multiplied loaves of bread. Oh, he could feed people and he could feed people well. He fed people so well there were leftovers. Imagine being one of the disciples. And they collected all the leftovers. There was enough leftovers for each person. That's divine. When we wait on the hand of God, God blesses us beyond ourselves. That's divine. You see, here's what Satan was tempting Jesus with. Postponing gratification. Isn't that what temptation is? Postponing gratification. It was a natural need. Food. It was a natural desire. Bread. I mean, think about bread. Bread just fills you up. But watch what Jesus has response. But Jesus told him, no. Scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's what Jesus did. He took the words of God, the narrative of God, and he spoke it at the enemy. He literally repeated verbatim Deuteronomy 8.3. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by what? Bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Us knowing our Bibles is one of the most powerful tools you will have in your life. When you see the faithfulness of God in Scripture, you're going to say, I want that faithfulness too. I want the faithfulness and the blessing of Daniel. I want the faithfulness and the blessing of Esther. I want the faithfulness and the blessing of Abraham and Sarah. I want to put God to the place where I know that I can fully lean on him no matter what the circumstance I'm going on that's going on in my life. And Jesus said, God took care of them then and he'll take care of me now. 
Next time you do a fast and you are really, really hungry, practice reading your Bible and worshiping. I promise you, there have been days when I was fasting and I was starving, and I'm like, I'm just like, my dogs would walk by and be like, they look really good. I got a Weber outside. Come on, right? But there was times that I literally just had to like get on my knees and worship and say, God, you asked me to fast. This is a season of fasting. You're preparing me for something. And all of a sudden, I was full because my heart was full. My soul was full. Temptation number two, fame and recognition. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, what did he challenge him again with? Identity. Every temptation we face challenges your identity of who you are as a child of God. Jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. See, what? here's what the devil was tempting him. Fame and recognition. The only reason, the only reason Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, the only reason is Jesus is who he is, is because of his death and resurrection. The only reason that, that he lived out the fullness and the calling of his life is because he gave God, his Father, his yes. He had to go through pain. He had to go through suffering. He had to go through death. He had to be nailed to a cross. It was prophesied, and Satan knew that. And he said, just step off. You'll get fame and recognition right now. Right now. Isn't it funny, as the crowds grew, Jesus always taught them something really hard, and they kind of scattered away? Because he saw his fame. He saw his recognition, and he never made it about himself. He always made it about the Father. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. That if we lived our lives, no matter what vocation we have, that if we really looked at our vocations as gospel vehicles and we said, everything I have is to glorify the Father, I promise you, your lives would shift in a completely different direction. And here's what Jesus says. The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Go back to the people of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 6, I believe it was verse 8. They were testing them. Come on, God, we're really thirsty now. Strike the rock, Moses. Strike the rock, Moses. Strike the rock, Moses. Come on, provide for us. And just as Moses had said, Jesus says, you must not test the Lord your God. It was because of the obedience to endure pain and suffering, God was going to exalt Jesus at his rightful position, the right hand of the Father. We miss out on blessings. We miss out on blessings. When we try to avoid the trials that we go through, we miss out on the blessings. We miss out on the shaping of character. We miss out on the intimacy that, that we're drawn into in, in difficulties. When we just want to kind of jump to the blessing. 
Now, when you've really seen someone who God has used in a powerful way or someone who has been very successful, they don't look at the end game. They look at the past and seeing how everything in between shaped who they are. I love that movie Schindler's List. Schindler did so much for people. And he could have said, like, yeah, I played my part. I did my 20 for 20. I did my 20 for 20. I saved a couple people, a couple Jewish families. But at the end, he started taking off everything, saying, no, 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 one more, one more, because he, he got the Father's heart. He got the Father's heart. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about his fame, his recognition. Why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? Temptation number three, riches of the world and power. Now you start hearing Satan getting a little ticked off. You start hearing a little irritation in, in, in his tone. You see, he realized that he can't overcome Jesus' identity. He realizes that. Like, I've lost him. And this is the last. I always think about the first temptation, like day three, four, or five. The next temptation, probably like day 25. And then the final one was probably like day 38. He said, that's it. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. It's funny is when you go to the Holy Lands or you study the Holy Lands and you go on some of these higher peaks, you see other countries. You see other territories. Satan wasn't saying, I'm just going to give you Jerusalem and God's people. Look past it. Do you see Egypt? You see Egypt? That could be yours. I'll give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and what? Worship me. Now here's what we have to remember. Jesus knew something that I think as Christians we forget. Jesus knew because of Adam's sin Satan had rights. Humanity was created to inherit. Think of the word inherit the earth. The earth was humanity's. But because of humanity's sin, they said, you know what? It's now yours to inherit. And so there is a temporary reign of the evil one. Why does it always seem that evil is so prevalent? Because there's one who has authority. And the only people that are away are allowed to take away the authority of the evil one is the church. Because the church is God's people. And so Jesus says, whatever you claim here on earth, you claim it in heaven. So when we say that our goal is to literally claim this area so people can hear the gospel. We are putting the stake in the ground and saying, we are going to bring something different to this community, which is the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But here's what also Jesus knew. Revelations eleven fifteen. Jesus knows the end of the narrative. It says first in John 12, this is what he understood, the time for judging this world has come. That's why Jesus came. When Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. 
Yet here's also what Jesus understood. The kingdoms of the world and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is coming back, amen? There will be an, immediate, an imminent return of Christ, and we will be taken up into paradise. For those who are in Christ, salvation. And for those who are not in Christ, there is damnation. We don't like talking about that. But there is a truth. I want my friends to know Jesus. I want my friends to inherit eternal life as God has so graciously given to me who doesn't deserve it. Yesterday I was at a funeral. I was at a funeral for a man named Cliff. Robin and Nick Vietri's, Robin's father, Nick's father-in-law. This guy knew Jesus. He's not here anymore. He's in paradise. He's more alive now than ever before. But he's not going to be stuck in heaven. Matter of fact, when this world comes to an end, God's going to create a new earth. And one day, Cliff will be walking around Oakland, New Jersey saying, wow, God is good. No more sin, no more pain, no more shame. Because one day, God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be a new reign, and we will be here. It's pretty powerful. Pretty powerful stuff. God has not created us for the temporary. He's created us for the eternal. And Jesus got that. So often, this is what we do. We so often give up future blessings for temporary satisfaction. Do I get an amen? We so often give up future blessings for temporary satisfaction. To hear what Jesus says. He says, get out of here. Leave, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This was a fight. Now it became a fight. Before it was a conflict. Temptations, eat, fame, recognition. Now it became a fight. Satan says, hey, I'm going to give you the temporary, so you give up the eternal. And Jesus knew that. And he doesn't say, it is written in scripture, all manners were thrown aside. And he said, get out of here. And he repeats the first commandments. The first commandments. We are all tempted. We are all tempted. We are all human. We are all in a place that, that calls our identity as sons and daughters of God into question. But temptation has a very strong power to lure us into something. Or temptation has the ability to prepare us for what God has next. God does not tempt. God prepares. Satan tempts, so you miss out on God's future blessings. Look what John says in 1 John 2, 16. For the world offers only a craving of physical, nature, of physical pleasure. Now think about the temptations. A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. 
And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God lives forever. I mean, how true this is. Have you ever had your life ruined by choices? Have you ever had something in your life missed out because of poor decisions? Have you ever seen yourself literally miss out on a circumstance or an opportunity because something pulled you in a direction that caused you to miss out on what was best? It's called temptation. And John points out the temptations that we go through. And Matthew points out all those temptations are the very same temptations that Jesus went through as well. What does John say? Temptation of the appetite, craving for physical pleasure. When fleshly desires rule us, taking priority over God's will, they cause us to violate God's righteousness. Let me say that again. When fleshly desires rule us, taking priority over God's will, they cause us to violate God's righteousness. Appetite. We all got it. I didn't really have breakfast this morning, and I'm hungry. God created us with an appetite. Food. Emotions. Relationships, identity, and even sexual fulfillment. But yet, when we take the things of God and we allow the world to blur the lines, we miss out on God's plan. And right now, we live in a world, I'm saying this extremely humbly, we live in a world that we just affirm everything, and people are literally living in a place of confusion. And how do we live in a place that we're loving people as Christ loves us, so that we get to have gospel opportunities, so they get to hear the good news? We all have appetites. Do I get an amen? We all have hungers. And yet, there's a fine line between all of them. God has his best. God has his plan. But I know that that we are the church. We possess the hope of the world. That as people's hungers and cravings rise to the surface, we get to help them see that, that there is a plan, there is a purpose, that even in the confusion of what the world is saying, we get to love people right where they're at. You know what I loved about Jesus? You want to know the sign of a healthy church? That you hang out with notorious sinners. A healthy church is a church filled with people that are going through every single circumstance in life. No matter what the circumstances, the sign of a healthy church 
is who's in the shoot and who's in the seats. Are you loving people in such a way that they want to hear the hope you possess? Are you loving people in a way that, that even they don't agree with you, that they're willing to say, hey, you have something I don't have, and I need that thing that you have in you. When we come along those individuals and we just hold their hand and we just journey through life, Right now, there is so much going on with people, so much going on with, with humanity, and our world is saying, just fill your hunger, fill your appetite, fill your hunger, fill your appetite, and we are creating such confusion that in 10 years from now, there's going to be a whole lot of cleanup that's going to have to happen. It's painful. We can point fingers at people what they're going through, but their trials are very different than the trials that we went through. Do I get an amen? But it's your ability to to love people and in truth come alongside them so they get to experience the fullness of God. I just got to walk down here. Nobody realizes the conversations that happen in that house. Conversations of counseling, pastoral counseling, pastoral prayer, pastoral care, praying people through really, really difficult circumstances. How do we be the church that literally says to this culture what you are telling people is actually going to poison them and destroy them? And how do we come alongside them and love them and embrace them so they get to experience the love of Jesus found in the truth of Jesus in his holy words? So they get to experience the compassion of Jesus in the manner in which we love them. We all have hungers. We all have appetites. And right now, the thing that's being called into question most is identity. Let's give people the identity of Jesus and let Jesus work things out. Two, the temptation for the riches of the world, craving for everything we see. In Scripture, the eyes are the primary organ of perception and often the principal avenue of temptation. In Scripture, we see that the eyes are the primary organ of perception and often the principal avenue of temptation. Let's be honest. You go into a parking lot, and you see someone who has a better car than you, like, wow, did you see that car? Right? Right? Seriously. You have no idea the story about the person who has that car. Do I get an amen? Right? You go to someone's house, like, wow, I'm just so blown away. Their house is just so big. It's so amazing. So everything. And you're like, you have no idea what's going on behind that house, both good, bad, and indifference. And we long for things that we don't have where God is saying, find contentment in who you are as a child of God. I will provide for all of your needs according to his riches and his glory. Some of you know too much is way too dangerous. Thank you. 
how true that is. Some of you know too much is too dangerous. Do I get an amen? But for others, it's not even on their radar. Satan uses external attraction, whether inherently good, then makes them inherently bad. Inherently good, it makes them inherently bad. Coveting others' wealth, others' money, others' possessions, others' persons that are not yours for the taking. There are certain things that are not yours. They are off limits. But there's a craving that the enemy's saying, no. The world is saying, no. More, more, more. But then there's the third. Temptation for fame and recognition. Pride in our achievements and possessions. Why do you think, why do you think Satan went to Jesus and said, jump. Get it now. Delayed gratification. Get the fame now. I mean, if you listen to real rock and roll stars, do you know how long it took them to become rock and roll stars? This whole idea of American Idol was like just brand new, right? The one-hit wonders, right? If you've ever hit someone, if you've ever met someone who wrote a one-hit wonder, they usually end up hating that song. Because everywhere they go, can you play it again? 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 They're like, that's not what I wanted to do. But if I could just have that one-hit wonder, I'm all good. We all want fame. We all want recognition. Isn't it, isn't it funny how Satan tempted Jesus with the very same thing? Hey, Jesus, because you are human, you must want this too. We are tempted every day to fall prey to the entrapments of the devil with one purpose— Steal our eternal inheritance. One purpose, steal our eternal inheritance. So how do we win the battle? We win like Jesus won. I think sometimes we, we complicate it so much. How do we win the battle? How did Jesus win the battle? How did Jesus defeat the temptation of the devil? First, he understood this. A season of preparation will be a season of temptation. And a season of temptation is actually a season of preparation. I think many people get stuck right here in life because they never move past the things that God is trying to do in them. When something happens, they trip up and they go backwards. And then they get a little better, a little better. Something happens, they trip up and they go backwards. And they get a little better, a little better, a little better. They trip up and there's this wall that they never get past. That temptation that seizes them. That appetite. That need for fame. That need for riches. That need for recognition. And every time they get to that place where God wants to do this major breakthrough, they give in to the temporary causing them to miss out on the blessings of God. God is saying that if you recognize that the temptations you are going through are actually a, a preparation for what's next, if you understand that, you will be living in the victory that Jesus has for you. Some of you just need to like man up. 
Man up. And say, why do I always miss out at the very last minute? Because God is saying, what's that thing that always captivates you? What's that thing that always steals what God has next? Moms and dads, the way you handle temptation will be the way your children handle temptation. Moms and dads, the way you handle pressure will be the way that your children will handle pressure. Moms and dads, when your children see you going through a season, a difficult season, and the way you love them, the way you speak truth to them, the way that you meet them right there when they're at, one day they're going to turn around and do the very same thing for their children. Our kids need the love of Jesus right here, right now, right here. Right now, a season of preparation will be a season of temptation, and a season of temptation is definitely a season of preparation. Truth defeats lies. Truth always wins. Lying never wins. Jesus did not use his own strength, his own will, or even, he didn't even use avoidance to try and defeat the devil. What he did use was the word of God to remind him of God's authority to defeat the lies that were being offered to him. Not thrown at him, offered to him. There are things that are being offered to you currently that have the power to dethrone the work of God in your life. And Jesus used the truth of the words of God to defeat the lies of the enemy. Jesus trusted the authority of God to not allow the devil to manipulate his emotions or ego. When you cut off the lies, temptation has no legs to stand on. When you cut off the lies, temptation has no legs to stand on. Who's human in here? Anyone human? Anyone human? Seriously, right? If you can't raise your hand, then there's a whole nother. So there's some AI in here, right? There's some AI in here. Right? Like just, I'm just wondering. This is a really cool church. We have everybody. We have Christians, notorious sinners, and AI. What a great place. This is really cool. Isn't it funny that even in movies now, AIs are being tempted? Wow. Temptation is unavoidable. Philippians 2.7, he was born as a human being. We're going to be tempted. We're going to fail. But every time we fail, it's because we did not trust the identity of who we are as sons and daughters of God. Every time I've messed up big, every time I've messed up small, it's because I've allowed the enemy to question my identity as a son of God. Men, I want you to say this. I am a son of God. Women, I want you to say this. I am a daughter of God. Men, I want you to say this. I am a son of God. Women, I want you to say, I am a daughter of God. Is that uncomfortable? But that's a truth. That's a truth. I am given victory in my humanness that I do not have to live in a place of avoidance. It's not around me. It can't see me. Right? Right? It doesn't. It's just like literally, like little kids when they go like this. Like, I'm right here. Temptation's unavoidable. 
But here's the truth. When we resist, God steps in. When we resist, God always steps in. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. What I've wrestled with, you've wrestled with. What you've wrestled with, I've wrestled with. We're all human. We all fall short. We all have a lure and a pull. And yes, for some, the pull is more. For some, it's a pull of appetite. For some, it's a need of recognition and fame. For some, it's, it's, it's power and wealth. And I believe each one of us has a little bit stronger pull in one of these areas. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. You will win. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You win. I'm a child of God. I win. Say it. I'm a child of God. I win. Declare it. I'm a child of God. I win. I win. Bible says seven times a man falls down, seven times a man picks himself up. Every time I get up, I win. But there has to be a point that these things no longer control us because if they control us, we miss out on living in the fullness of who we are as sons and daughters of God. And church, now it's time to run. Now it's time to thrive. I bet you there's someone here that are saying, I I get it, it's just this one thing. You're right. God is showing, I want to show you how, how victorious I am in your life if you give me this one thing. This one thing. And because Jesus was obedient even unto death on the cross, The Father elevated him that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Praise God, our Jesus, your Jesus, my Jesus, loves me so much that he allowed himself to go through every single temptation I have gone through. But the only thing he did different is he said, Rob, I won. And I'm going to teach you how to win as well. And because of that, he's no longer there. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. We all struggle with stuff. We all have our battles. We all have our pulls. We like to kind of put them in a line. Number, you know, better to worse. Sin is sin. Brokenness is brokenness. And Jesus is saying, today, I want you to be made whole, and I want you to win, and I want you to live in the identity of who you are as sons and daughters. 
Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. God, here's my, my prayer. Thank you, in, thank you for in my sin, you rescued me. Thank you for in my addictions, you rescued me. Thank you for how in the things that used to lure me away, they no longer have the ability to do so because of who I am as a child of God. Thank you. Thank you that in you and by you and through you, I don't have to give in ever, ever, ever again. I speak that blessing over your church family. Amen. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.